BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we'll talk with California Secretary of State Shirley Weber about her plans to manage the state's elections and maintain the high voter turnout of 2020. I tell people how ironic it is that a girl whose father could not vote, whose grandparents never had a chance to vote, is now responsible for 40 million Californians and their right to vote. Then, as House Democrats take a floor vote against extremist Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, we'll look at what's behind California's Kevin McCarthy's refusal to sanction her and what it means for the identity of the Republican Party. Join us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Shirley Weber made history last week when she was sworn in as California's first black secretary of state. The eight-year former San Diego assembly member pushed progressive policies that included restricting the use of lethal force by police, reversing the state's ban on affirmative action, and she spearheaded the law to study reparations and California's complicity in slavery. We'll hear about her priorities as elections chief, and you can post your questions for her now on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum, or email us at forum at kqbd.org. Secretary Shirley Weber, welcome to Forum. Well, thank you. I appreciate the invitation to be here. The 2020 election, 80% of registered voters cast a ballot, levels not reached in years. What do you attribute that to, and how will you maintain that level of voter engagement? Well, that was amazing, wasn't it? Um, I tell folks I can remember um, not so long ago when we were hoping and praying for 40, 50 percent of the voters would turn out to vote. I mean, you know, I've seen elections in some small areas where, you know, in L.A. and some school board elections that was special, that was probably 10, 15, 20 percent. I mean, just just disgraceful. And so um, so having that that level of turnout is like a dream come true for me. I mean, I've kind of traveled around the world and seen uh, people wrapped around buildings in South Africa and other places who were eager to vote. 
And uh, I always wondered, why can't we do that? Why can't we be like that? And obviously, uh, this last election was that. Um, so we should be very proud of that. Um, and, and we haven't done a thorough analysis of it, but we have some indications of, of some of the, the reality. I mean, clearly, the political landscape made people want to go vote. I mean, there's no mm. question about it. People had very strong feelings about their voting, that it was going to uh, either keep somebody in or put somebody out. It was one of those kinds of things. There was no middle ground in terms of folks not believing that their vote would count and that they wanted to see some results from it. So, I mean, clearly that was a part of it. We would hope that that would not be the only way that people go vote, that it had to be some kind of negative experience or some kind of sense of, you know, if I don't, the world's going to fall apart kind of attitude. Uh, but we would hope people would understand that there are some consequences for voting, but there's also consequences for not voting. And I think helping people to understand that becomes really, really important. Uh, we did a number of things, too, which is really interesting because you have over 50 percent in a COVID environment where people are hesitant about standing in line, hesitant about going out, you know, being in, in groups. And so uh, we did some things that we had been really working on for years. I chaired the elections committee in the legislature for a while. And then I and after I went to share some aspects of the budget, I, I uh, then um, also uh, served on the elections committee for the last five or six years. And so... Um, we did some things that we knew and we'd seen around the nation that would, would help with voter turnout. And we, we studied places like, you know, Colorado and a few other places that had done some really innovative things. And one of the things we talked about was mailing everybody a ballot. And right. that was always a, a issue of cost and, you know, uh, security issues, even though we had data that showed there was no real security issue of any significance. Uh, but we'd always had it, and we and we did some some voter choice acts that allowed uh, different di jurisdictions to choose, like LA, to choose to do everybody a ballot and and those kinds of things. Uh, so we did some of that. We talked about it. And we did some things even when Obama ran to talk about you know expanding the days available for people to vote so that you wouldn't have these enormous lines wrapped around buildings. That that voting was more than just a one shot deal. That if you miss it on that Tuesday. You, 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 can, you can't vote, you know, so this became a situation of, okay, let's what happens when you create a, an opportunity for people to vote, not only by mail, but also create other kinds of opportunities. And for years, we've been looking into voting centers, and we had some voting centers and, and some ideas that people should be able to vote, not just at their local area, but there should be a database uh, citywide and countywide that would allow you to, to vote at the convenience, maybe near your job or um, or in, somewhere in your county because you were working that day and for whatever reason couldn't get back to your home. So we, we looked at all those things and, and began to implement some of those things. And actually, it helped people because they turned in their ballots earlier. They, they didn't feel they had to stand in long, long lines and they weren't deterred from doing that. Those who voted at home like myself and, and, and love the feel of putting the, the ballot in the ballot box, drove down to my local library and did that. So we had, we had choices. And I think that was a driving force behind not only encouraging uh, getting people out, but really providing the convenience of voting. So there was not such a, uh, people didn't have to make such an enormous sacrifice just yes. to cast their ballot. And so you support legislation to make mail balloting permanent in future California elections. At the same time, all of these efforts to make it easier, you are taking this role after an election that really attempted to cast doubt on the integrity of our elections and the legitimacy of voting in the U.S. We have an ex-president who claimed mass election fraud and, and polling shows that still some 70 percent of Republicans nationwide still question the legitimacy of Joe Biden's win. Do you think this will create problems for California? 
you know, <clears throat> California wasn't the center of a lot of the conversation because it's interesting that those the center of the of the of the conversation really uh, was around those uh, what are called battleground states. And since California was not a battleground state, it's interesting that people didn't want to uh, uh, talk about the integrity of our voting because if there's a problem with the system, you would assume that the, the problems are are nationwide, and you'd wonder why only in those areas where there are battleground states do uh, do Republicans bring up the issue. Of, of of security and that and they question the legitimacy of the vote. Now the interesting thing always and and and, and we take the question seriously, but it's always ironic that people will question the legitimacy of Joe Biden's vote, but not the legitimacy of some of the friends of theirs who got elected in the same state. I mean, would you not, if, if the ballots were tainted or or not turned in or something, wouldn't that affect everybody's election in that state? And yet <clears throat> and yet we don't question the legitimacy of the other individuals in that state who were elected, but, but somehow or another pick out one candidate <clears throat> who was on everyone's ballot and, and, and identify that. So we, we understand right. the rationale for that. Um, but uh, but keep in mind, um, you know, we take that seriously. We look into every complaint and, and evidence is that there has been no valid complaint and we'll continue to to investigate legitimate concerns. Uh, but at some point, people have to realize that, you know, after you've had 20, 30 lawsuits and you've had a uh, a two and three countings of the ballots in 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 in, uh, in Atlanta, and you do those kinds of things. At some point, you know, uh, you have to believe that uh, that, and, and you have everybody in the room counting. It's not just Democrats, and it's not just independents, but it's everyone. That this uh, that obviously our our voting is relatively secure. We'll continue to try to make it extremely secure. Um, but uh, but at the same time, you know, we also have to understand the rationale behind the complaints. And once you've done it over and over again, in terms of investigating and and counting and recounting, you have to somehow another move on and uh, improve your system as you go. But recognize that that there is no widespread fraud uh, that exists in California or anywhere else. And we continue to do that. We also have um, as a part of the secretary of state, we have those who basically monitor uh, a lot of the complaints, make sure that a lot of the misinformation, because there was a lot of that. A lot of misinformation is countered rather than waiting for it to fester. And so we're going to probably increase our outreach efforts to make sure that we're responding to uh, um, misinformation, that we're providing people with correct information. Uh, we have a number of uh, support systems, whether it's our businesses that work uh, with our uh, with our office and other some ways in which we can share information to say, listen, this is what is heard, but this is what is true and provide the data and information. So it becomes important that we do that. We're talking with former Assemblymember Shirley Weber about her new role as California Secretary of State. Even as you talk about all this and you say you're not as worried about the taint of these claims on California or any distrust of California's election system or its security, there are legislators, of course, in several states now, including Georgia, pushing to roll back voting rules and make it harder to vote. Your family is from Arkansas. Your grandfather never got to vote. Your father was denied the vote and fled with you to California after being threatened by a lynch mob. I mean, that is quite a story. What does the right to vote mean to you? Well, <clears throat> I grew up with, um, with, with the legacy of voting, and that's important. Uh, my mother worked the polls when she came to California, and eventually uh, the voting polls was our living room. You know, we were the precinct. <laughs> we were mm -hmm. the vote. 351 West 45th Street is where people came for years to vote. Okay, so um, 
so my family believed very strongly in it, and 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 all of us were taught to go vote and to, and to understand it. And I, you know, and I know firsthand from looking at the things that happened in the South or when we would travel there, what happens when people are disenfranchised. Um, you know, my father worked very hard, and no matter how hard he worked, the sharecropping system was never going to give him a fair shake. He was going to uh, always owe them money at the end of the year, even no matter how frugal he had been, no matter how large his crop was. And he had no voice to raise to say, you are wrong, you're, 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 you're cheating me. And despite the data and information he had, uh, they were determined to silence him because he was, he was causing ruckus. He was, he was calling, causing discontent among those that they didn't want discontent from and, and felt he needed to be eliminated. So my, we grew up with that understanding that you have to stand up for yourself. And, and voting is one of those ways that you must express yourself because people without vote basically are powerless. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter if you buy land, they steal your land, they steal steal your deeds, they steal your voice, and you don't, you, you're not on a jury, you're not, you're not there basically to raise the issues. And so, so it's really, really important to us to be able to vote. And those who seek now to, to make it harder to vote, it's really interesting. Um, because when you look at um, the discrimination in voting in this nation, it was really designed to keep certain people out of the voting polls. And so uh, example after example of, of of what took place in the South with regards to people's right to vote and, and what happened to their ballot and all those kinds of things. And so, um, so we are, you know, I, I'm pretty, pretty um, <laughs> um, determined, I guess, and say I'm pretty adamant about the right to vote and making sure that voting is accessible, uh, that it's easy for people to vote. Uh, we don't have when we don't have this this discussion of fraud and all these other kinds of things that people claim exist that doesn't exist. It really is to deter people from from believing that our system ought to be a system that's easy for people to register to vote and to vote. Uh, and every effort that has been made to say, listen, uh, let's open up it. Let's give people their rights. Others have argued against it. Um, I know that many of some of the legislation that I've done, even Prop 17, it says once you've done your time, in prison, you should be able to vote. You're on parole right. and you've spent 15, 20 years in prison, but they want to keep you not voting. And I had one, some woman say to me in, in committee, because I was one of the co-authors, is that, well, you're just doing that because you want all the Democrats to vote. And I said, wait a minute, we don't have a monopoly on crime. I mean, you folks go to jail too, you know, sometimes for bigger crimes than, than, than those who are poor. And uh, so the old idea is like, let's keep those folks out of the game. Let's keep them out of, of voting. And that's not really... Uh, an intent. No one knows whether there's Democrats or Republicans that are actually registering to vote, but we have a responsibility to make that happen. And so that that's that's pretty much my goal. And and coming out of the experience that I had, uh, it makes it really, really important for me as a secretary of state to defend every person's right to vote. Well, Secretary Weber, we appreciate you coming on to share that with us today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. And you have a great day. You too. California Secretary of State Shirley Weber. More of Forum after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.